welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 95, the story and questions from a newbie turkey hunter. And I am your host and the guy who thinks it'd be really awesome to hold the title of fastest man on earth for just a day. And I would also like to see Usain Bolt go all out for an entire race just one time to see what he could really do. That guy is unbelievably fast. And I'm probably a little bit jealous of that. Anyway, we are 209 days, 12 hours, 28 minutes, and 27 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And today I'm going to be fairly brief because I've got a great but a long interview for you. I'm interviewing Jenna Barron on today's show. And Jenna lives in Washington. No, the good Washington. Not the one where all the crooks and the crazies work. So Jenna reached out to me last week via email. And I don't often hear from the female listeners of the show. I like to think that there are plenty of them out there, but they're probably too busy to contact me because of working during the day and because of doing things like keeping our households together in the evenings and at nights. But anyway, Jenna reached out to me this past week, and she told me in her email that she has never hunted before, but she has developed an interest in the sport, and more specifically, she has developed an interest in the sport of turkey hunting. And since I'm always curious to know how other people got into the sport of hunting, I mean, you hear me ask that question in almost every interview that I do on the show. But since I'm curious to know that, I had to get Jenna on the phone to hear her story. And, of course, I have to share that with you guys as well. So here's Jenna Barron, the future wild turkey hunter extraordinaire, telling us her story about how she's gotten interested in hunting and turkey hunting and also asking me a few questions about the sport. I hope you enjoy the interview and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am excited to tell you that I have on the line with me Jenna Barron, who is from Washington State and this is my first time to talk to Jenna, but Jenna emailed me last week and was inquiring about why the first 10 episodes of the Turkey Hunter podcast were not on any of the podcast players. So 
I happen to have noticed that myself, and after digging around a little bit, I got the problem fixed and emailed her to let her know that that should be taken care of. And she emailed back, and we got to talking via email, having a little conversation there, and I got a little bit of Jenna's story out of her. And I thought, you know, this is pretty interesting because, at least for me, being a lifetime hunter, I like to hear the story of adults who gain an interest in the sport of hunting and who become curious about it, want to learn everything that they can learn about it, and start hunting themselves. And Jenna fits that bill. So I'm going to introduce Jenna, and I'm going to ask you, Jenna, how are you? And where in Washington State are you? Hi, Andy. I'm in southeast Washington in the Tri-Cities area. Okay, very good. Well, I alluded to the emails that you and I exchanged, and I think in the first email you sent me, you mentioned that you've listened to all of the episodes except for the first 10, and that you were wondering where those were, and then you mentioned to me that you were wanting to try turkey hunting for the first time. And after exchanging a couple more emails, I learned that you have never hunted. That's right. It's almost correct. I haven't listened to all of the episodes yet, but I was trying to work my way from the beginning towards the end. Yeah. But since we've emailed, I've tried to brush up on the important episodes kind of study a little bit faster. (laughs) Well, that's good. So, so far, which was your favorite episode? So far, it is the the whiskey turkey. I I was, I had my headphones in and I was in the kitchen making dinner and laughing out loud. Yeah. It was pretty good. I will never forget that hunt. (laughs) There are hunts that you will have that will just be ingrained in your mind forever, and that was one of them. (laughs) That was pretty good. It was awesome. Yeah, and I just, this afternoon I listened to the, from the guy that wrote, they did the PBS documentary, My Life is a Turkey. Yeah, Illumination in the Flatwoods, Joe Hutto. Yeah. Yeah. For someone who's wanting to learn turkeys and turkey hunting, that is a book that I highly recommend. It's in my shopping cart right now. Good. It's an awesome story. Have you by chance watched the documentary? It is on YouTube. I have not. I have not yet. I had a friend recommend it to me, especially with the fact that I have a turkey. Yes, and I want to ask you about that as well. But you have never hunted. I have not. So, all right, I'm going to ask you, but I can always come back and edit this out if you don't want to share. So here comes the forbidden question, one of the two (laughs) forbidden questions to ask of a woman. So how old are you? I'm quickly approaching 35. Okay. So has any of your family hunted? Yeah, my dad would go to elk camp with his brothers and sisters or 
stepbrothers and brother-in-laws. And yeah. I think for them it was more about camping than hunting. I think occasionally somebody would come home with an elk. Right. And my husband's family also hunts, but my husband hasn't really gotten a lot of experience of his own yet. So we're okay. both kind of working towards that, but we have completely different schedules. So yeah. we don't get to do that together at this point. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating to me when people gain that interest. Mm-hmm. I guess I can't really say later in life because you're not old, but well, later in life then. <laughs> no, no. But later in life then I think the majority of people are introduced to hunting and mm-hmm. that is, you know, in their I would say maybe preteens and even teen years, you know, being introduced by a family member into the sport, that type of thing, or even a friend having introduced them to the sport and then a passion developing and growing from there. And so it's just interesting to me when I run across someone who has never hunted and at the age of 35 wants to learn everything that she can about hunting and get out there and pursue it. So tell me kind of what sparked that interest in you. Well, like I mentioned in our emails, a few things happened. So my husband and I both shoot recreationally quite often. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm pretty familiar with firearms and I'm pretty good at them. And then I became friends. Well, that's that's one of the prongs. Another one is when we moved into the house that we're at now, our neighbors offered me, they had extra backyard chickens. Mm-hmm. And they asked me if I wanted chickens. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so I quickly, <laughs> <laughs> I built a coop and I learned all I could about chickens. And as I was building the coop, I started listening to another podcast called the Chicken Thistle Farm Coopcast. And they're very much about the farm to table. And I know you've mentioned that in some of your episodes. And I started learning more about that and thinking about, you know, how how interested I may be in that. And shortly after that, I became friends with a gal that had butchered chickens before. And, you know, when you get into chicken keeping, you always end up with roosters and you can't keep those in the city. So right. you got to figure out what to do with those. And so this this friend of mine, she walked me through how to butcher a chicken. And I recently, or shortly after that, she mentioned that she was going bow hunting for deer. And it took me a second to realize that I was jealous. And then I realized I don't have to be jealous. I can learn how to hunt myself. Mm-hmm. So all of those things kind of came together last fall. And in Washington State, you have to, if you're born after, or I don't know, they've got some age restriction where if you're not of a certain age, you have to take a hunter's safety course right? in order to get your your hunter's license or to be eligible for your hunter's license. Yeah. And so 
I completed all the requirements for that in October of last year, but then I had been so busy with work travel and personal travel and getting the hunter's registration done that I was just too burnt out to go hunting. Yeah. So, and I I really hadn't thought much about hunting turkeys. And then this summer when I started looking at the hunter's regulation books and, okay, where where should I start? And looking at the seasons, I saw turkey hunting. And I started thinking about it and looking into it. And, you know, I had people telling me that, oh, turkeys are going to be the hardest thing to to learn on. And, you know, Lord knows I love a challenge. <laughs> I I don't know. I started browsing through podcasts and came across yours. And the more I listened to the stories, the more I was like, "This I I gotta give it a shot." <laughs> well, I think that's awesome, and that is one of the main reasons why I do the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can help to get one person introduced to the sport then I feel like all of this has been a success. And the sport will take care of the rest. The turkeys Mm -hmm. will take care of the rest. All I need to do is introduce you to it. And once you get out and do it and you get exposed to all of what Mother Nature has to offer in the springtime, but then all of what Mother Nature has to offer in the challenge of the wild turkey, you just can't help but get wrapped up in it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm excited for you and what you've got coming up ahead of you with the challenge of turkey hunting. And I'm excited that you've stumbled across the Turkey Hunter podcast, and hopefully it will help you to gain some knowledge that you need to really spark that interest and keep that interest going. Because, Turkey hunting can be frustrating. (laughs) And so if you get out there and you don't have success, you have to be like I was and you just have to be hard-headed and keep after it. And eventually it will all click for you and come together. And there's, in my opinion, there's nothing better. So I think that you're... Worst case scenario, you had a day out in the woods. Exactly which is way better than a day in the office, mm-hmm. no doubt. So you mentioned that you and your husband shoot competitively. Recreationally. Oh, you shoot recreationally. Okay. All right. So what do you shoot? Well, the last time we were out on the range, we were shooting rifles. We had the we had a two two three out there, and we had a three oh eight, and something else that he got recently. And both of those in the AR. I was not having a good day. (laughs) Yeah, they're all AR platforms. So he's a he's a veteran. That's what he uses at work as well. So that's what we're comfortable with. Very nice. But we also have a variety of 12 gauge shotguns, and yeah, I happen to prefer a Glock for pistols, and so we've got a little bit of everything. Good deal. Yeah. So you mentioned your husband is a veteran. What does he do now? He works nuclear security. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. As a new turkey hunter, Mm. I want to, as I mentioned, 
and you've got the podcast there to help you out. But I want to do what I can to help you learn the sport and help you and your husband, if you're able to get out there together, to get out and have a positive experience and have some success. And everyone's definition of success varies. And that's one thing I think as you listen to some more episodes of the podcast that you'll hear, some of these guys, these more famous turkey hunters like the Cuz Stricklands and Preston Pittmans of the world have different ideas of success. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily involve killing a bird, but it may involve working a bird and just the challenge of matching wits with that animal for hours and maybe there's never a shot fired. Right. And, you know, my, in fact, my good friend, Eric, who is the shooter in the whiskey turkey (laughs) hunt, he tells his son, if we go out into the woods and we hear a turkey gobble, it's been a successful hunt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's important for people to to just know what success means to them and to go out and, and when you're able to have those days when you hear turkeys gobble and if that's your idea of success, know that, okay, I had a successful hunt. So maybe next time, instead of just hearing a bird gobble, maybe if I can hear one gobble and I can get within 100 yards of it and have some sort of interaction, whether the bird comes in or it doesn't, but I call and the bird responds. Maybe that's the next level of success that I'm looking for. Hopefully the the episodes of the Turkey Hunter podcast will help you to do that. But I would like to maybe help you with any kind of questions that you might have at this point as a new turkey hunter to get you to where you can get out there and have some success and stay interested in the sport even more so than the turkeys are going to get you wrapped up in it. So, do you have any questions that you want to ask me about turkey hunting as a new hunter? I do. Cool. So in Washington State, we, in the, especially in eastern Washington, we are we have a fall season for fall mm-hmm. turkey hunting. So that's in, since we like doing countdowns, in 33 days. Awesome. Yeah. Now, there's... I've listened to episodes on calls, and something that I was, I'm guessing that the locator calls that are used are mostly to the predators that would be going after nests. So are locator calls still used in the fall when birds aren't nesting? That is a great question, and that is also a very good observation that you've made. Hmm. And it's something that I actually never have really thought about, but most of the calls that will shock a turkey into gobbling are made by predators. Mm-hmm. And I I never really thought about that, maybe with the exception of in the southeast, a pileated woodpecker will sometimes make a turkey gobble. And Really? Yeah. So to answer your question, locator calls will be used in the spring, and that is to shock a gobble from a male turkey. Mm -hmm. And what you're looking to do in the fall is you want to more or less read 
the sign in the areas. And when you're when you're out walking or you're out scouting, you want to be looking for that turkey sign and be looking to see, okay, what is it that they're eating? Mm-hmm. If they're eating acorns that are falling or maybe pine nuts, whatever it happens to be that they're foraging on, you want to find more areas with similar types of forage in it. And you want to spot a flock of turkeys. Now, not only do you want to spot them, but you want to be listening for them as well, because you can, a flock of 10 turkeys scratching in the leaves Mm -hmm. will make a heck of a racket. But you might be able to hear some faint communication, Mm -hmm. some purrs and some clucks within the flock. If you're very quiet and you're listening, you know, if you're up on a hill and you know that turkey has been using an area down in the hollow under below you, then stop up there and listen for scratching, listen for clucks, listen for purrs. It's probably not very likely that you're going to hear much yelping going on at, at that stage because the yelp is really more or less a call that the birds are going to use at a greater when they're at a greater distance, when they're separated from one another. So they're going to be using these contentment calls, purrs and clucks, and it's just letting all the other birds in the flock know that everything is rosy in their world. Mm-hmm. And it's another way for them to check in with the other birds around them and kind of keep track of each other, so to speak. So really in the fall, you're going to do your scouting and you're going to cover a lot of ground on a turkey hunt in the fall okay. because you're going to go from these from spot to spot to spot where you know turkeys are using these areas. If it's been dry for a couple of weeks, then, and I don't know, maybe on that eastern side of the state, when you get past the mountains, maybe it is a little bit more arid than it is on the western side of the state. Yeah, we're high desert. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then I would definitely be checking your water holes, mm-hmm. any streams or creeks that have some water in it. Look for tracks, look for feathers. Those are great places to check for birds because they have to have water. Okay. And they will drink water you know, at least once a day, usually in the morning. But if it's, if it's high desert, they're probably coming to it to water several times a day. Yeah, the area that I'm kind of thinking about going to is in the Blues, Blue Mountains. There's some Mm -hmm. farmland, and it kind of butts up to forests, and there's some streams that go through there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be really how you're going to locate birds in the fall, unless Washington offers the opportunity to hunt behind turkey dogs? I don't think so. I don't think we allow any dog hunting unless, no, I don't think we allow any. Okay. And then I was going to say, if they do, your next chore would be to find someone who has turkey dogs, Mm -hmm. which can be a challenge in and of itself. So you're going to cover a lot of ground in the fall. You want to be sure that you are covering ground before season. So now's a great mm-hmm. time to be out and doing some scouting. 
and looking in those areas for scratching in the leaves or scratching in the pine straw, look for tracks on the creek banks or the pond dams around the edge of the ponds, that kind of thing. And I would kind of keep an eye on those farms too. Primarily what is grown on the farms there? Are the, is that apples? No, in that area, they are fields from what it looks like from the aerials, it looks like hay fields. Okay. I don't think there's much corn out here unless, you know, they're using it for crop rotation. Right. Okay. Well, your fields are good areas as well because the birds are going to be concentrating on insects as well. Mm-hmm. Anything that's high in protein. Yeah, they're going to go out and that's going to be something that they're going to seek before it starts to get cold and winter sets in. So those high-fat, high-protein foods are going to be food sources that they're going to seek. Mm -hmm. And so the fields would be a good place to look for them. But I would imagine at this point it's still fairly warm. Yes. Okay. So 9,500. That's not warm. That's hot. Yeah. Okay. That's warm for out here. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't want to look in those areas midday. You want to look Mm -hmm. early morning or late afternoon in those open fields. And then midday when it's getting hot, maybe down in the the cooler bottoms, Mm -hmm. river bottoms, creek bottoms, Anywhere, that, even if it's two or three degrees cooler, that's a great place to look for turkeys, and they will actually seek those areas out midday. Okay. And you'll have to help me with this as well. Can you hunt all day in Washington? I believe so. Okay. All right. Some states will only allow you to hunt until noon or 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't real sure about Washington, but if they do allow you to hunt all day, then if it's hot on those days when you go out and you're hunting, definitely check those bottoms okay. and those what would be cooler areas, shady areas around that midday time when it's 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. And so the next step once you locate birds is to bust the flock. And it's for the most part a completely different way of hunting in the fall than it is the spring. So you're going to bust that flock and try to bust them to get the birds to fly in all different directions. And sometimes if you bust a flock and the majority of the flock goes one direction, maybe they go over the next hill or fly down the same side of the ridge down into the bottom, you want to go and you want to bust that flock again. And when you bust that flock, you're separating the birds and they've got a desire to flock back up. And when you bust them, you want to sit down there and you want to start calling. But I'm going to tell you that's kind of a a little bit different strategy. So once you bust the flock, you want to sit down and you want to wait until you hear a call. You don't want to be the first turkey sound made. So let one of the turkeys make a call and then you call back to that turkey and you should hear more birds responding 
typically, and it doesn't always work this way, but typically the turkeys in the fall will meet back up pretty close to where they were busted. So, so what we're trying to do there, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to interpret, bust the flock up so they're spread out, and then when when they have the desire to come back in towards their flock, you get them in a closer range than if they weren't busted. Correct. Okay. What will typically happen is there is most likely one boss hen in that mm -hmm. flock of turkeys or one boss gobbler in that flock of turkeys. And that will be the bird that is trying to get everyone to come back to him or her. So if that bird starts calling, you want to call back to that bird and try to get that bird to come to you. And that bird's going to be talking like crazy. If it's a hen, she's going to be yelping, doing mm -hmm. lost calls and kiki runs. And those are calls that you may want to look up and learn a little bit about, you know, exactly what they sound like and the cadence of them and that kind of thing. And those would be calls that you would want to imitate. And so you're going to almost imitate that bird, that boss bird that's doing all the calling and all the talking and try to get that bird to come to you because she's going to get all the other turkeys to come to her. So if you can get that bird to come to you, then you'll you'll be able to have some success. You'll put meat on the table come Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so speaking of calls, what are my basic tools for that? A slate call or a box? Yeah. You know, I think for a beginner turkey hunter and a beginner turkey caller, mm -hmm. I think that the push-pull calls or people sometimes call them a push-button call, are the most simple to use. And there are a lot of them out there that make fantastic-sounding turkey calls. Okay. And so I would try, I'm not going to give you a, a name brand, but I would try a wooden one, mm -hmm. maybe a cedar push-button or push-pull call, and... I would definitely have that in my vest, and I would get very comfortable using it. The other thing that I like about it is that it's a one-handed call. Yeah. And so that can be very helpful. You can keep your other hand on the gun and keep one hand on that call, and you won't have to move as much to get in a shooting position. Now, in addition to that, yes, I think that you absolutely need to have some sort of a pot and peg call, whether that's a slate or I like an aluminum call, but I would say that's, I don't know, you're going to have to practice with all of them. <laughs> but, you know, the aluminum call, I think, is one that has to be practiced with a good bit. But a slate is just, it makes such a pure turkey sound to me. And you can get very quiet with that call if you need to or you mm -hmm. can get very loud with that call as well. The aluminum calls are a little bit harder to get quiet with and still have that great turkey sound. So I would say do a push-pull call. Don't do plastic. Do cedar mm -hmm. or some other type of wood. I'm not going to say cedar only. And then I would do a slate call 
and get a couple of different types of strikers. Okay. And if you have two different types of strikers and a slate call, you can sound like five or six different turkeys, depending mm -hmm. on which striker you're using and where on the call you're running that striker, whether it's towards the outside or towards the center. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would start. Box calls are great for making a loud call. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you have days when it is real windy, then you may need that to kind of cover some, some distance, cover some ground. And box calls make great sounding turkey calls as well. So it might be something you want to look at for the future, but I would start mm -hmm. with those two. Okay. Did that help? Yes. Good. I was taking notes, even Good. though, you know, I can listen to the podcast later. <laughs> Very true. You know, I had a laugh about that today. My buddy John, who I go on these out-of-state turkey hunts with, was absent from our hunt planning call that we had last week. And so he called me today and he said, hey, just going to let you know that I just got through listening to your podcast and I'm up to speed on where we're going and what's going on with the hunt. Perfect. So, yeah, even though he missed our phone call, <laughs> our planning session, he got caught up by listening to the podcast last week. I thought that was hilarious. But I had to tell him not to do that again. <laughs> you get one time. That's right, one time. So do you have any other questions? How important is camo and to what extent? Well. <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard people putting a camo sock over their gun, painting their faces. And, yeah. then, you know, back in the day, people would wear no camo, correct? Exactly. So you don't have to have on camo to kill a turkey. I do not recommend wearing red, white, or blue. And I definitely wouldn't wear anything red, white, and blue. Mm -hmm. So you have to take off your Team USA jersey for safety issues. But I think you're at a much greater advantage if you use camo. And personally, I am camoed from head to toe. Mm -hmm. Depending on what boots I have on, they may be a drab green there's some sort of earth tone boots. They may not be camo. My gun is black, and so it's a black synthetic stock. The barrel is not blued, so it's not a very shiny mm -hmm. metal substance. And I think that's very important to look at your equipment and how it looks in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got a gun that is maybe a wooden stock with a blued barrel, then I would say maybe a good idea to put a camo sock on it or camo tape just to knock some of that shine off of it. Mm -hmm. If it's a synthetic stock, most of those are not very shiny, but I would just, again, I'd put it in the sun and get back 20 yards and take a look at it and see what it looks like. It could be that Maybe you take two or three strips of camo tape just to break up that solid black surface mm -hmm. and give it a little bit of, of depth or whatever you want to call it to break up the outline of that black gun. I like wearing a head net 
over my face or a face mask, just depending on what's going on. The face mask is just going to cover up your face and ears only, and your neck, the back of your neck would be exposed. A head net's going to go over your head and provide coverage over your face and your neck, okay. front and back. So either of those, I think if you are hunting when it's very hot, you may find a face mask to be more comfortable. If you're hunting where there are a lot of bugs, you will find a head net to be much better to use because the mosquitoes will be sucking you dry from the back of your neck if you have on a face mask. And as far as which camo, I don't think it matters. Just something to break your outline up is really what you're looking at and looking at using. If you're not wearing tall boots, be very aware of what color the soles of your boots are as well as what color socks you're wearing. So gray, brown, black, green socks are all fine. When you sit down against a tree to set up for a hunt on a turkey, mm-hmm. your pants will, your pant legs will ride up and your socks will be exposed a lot of times. And so you don't want to have Good on point. white or red or blue socks. So be careful of that. A lot of boots have a very light colored sole on them. And so if you think about it, if you're sitting with your back against a tree, you've got mm-hmm. one leg, one foot on the ground with your knee up in the air and your gun resting on that knee. And the most of the time the other leg is straight or just out in front of you with the sole of your boot facing where that turkey's coming from. If it's a light colored boot, if you move it, it'll draw that bird's attention to your location and he or she may never come in. And you may never even know that that's what scared the bird off. Yep. So a dark colored sole on your boot would be a much better boot to wear as well. Okay. But yes, camo, do you wear glasses? No. Okay. I think a lot of people who wear glasses like to use the camo paint mm-hmm. on their face. I've never been a fan of that face paint. Right. So I've always liked to use either a head net or a face mask, and gloves are also very important as well. So camo or or even a solid color, but earth tone pair of gloves. Okay. And one last thing on the on the camo and the clothing. Mm-hmm. If you wear an undershirt underneath your camo, again, be aware of the color of that shirt. If it's a t-shirt, you know, don't wear a white t-shirt underneath your camo. Same thing, red or blue. So. Because if one piece rides up. Correct. Okay. Yeah. You you run the risk of either scaring the bird off or another hunter mistaking you as a gobbler's head, and neither one of those are good situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did that help you? Yep. All right. Those were my big questions. Okay. So how long does fall season last in Washington? Four weeks. Okay. And it's either sex? I think it depends on which area you're in. Okay. Fall season, depending on the game management unit, one of them is either sex, one of them is two turkeys beardless only, Oh wow. and one of them is two turkeys plus one either sex. 
there are two beardless plus one either side. Okay. So that's a very healthy bag limit. Yeah. And a lengthy season, so that's cool. Yeah, the couple of the areas they've had some overrun into the urban areas. So oh they're yeah. Wanting to to cut back yeah. a little bit. Those turkeys that eat out of a bird feeder are not Cute. afraid of humans. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when your neighbor lets Fido out to use the bathroom and Fido gets attacked by a gobbler who is defending his bird feeder, that doesn't go over real well. So, so yeah. there's an NPR podcast, but every Thanksgiving they do a a series on turkeys and several of them I went through all the past episodes of those mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and they they have all of these turkey attack stories that are pretty hilarious <laughs> like turkeys facing mailmen oh yeah yeah <laughs> those videos on YouTube when turkeys attack videos are just hilarious to me yeah and as someone who has been beaten up by a turkey before, it's not very fun. So I understand where the fear comes from. Right. It's all funny when you're looking at the video of it, but not when yes. you've got a turkey coming after you. No, not at all. But I'm pretty sure I know what to do if a turkey's going to come after me. <laughs> Hopefully you're prepared. Yes. The the closest stick I can find? Mm. We'll yep. take that turkey out, I'll promise you. <laughs> Self-defense, I don't think any judge would convict me, Probably no matter not. what time of year it is. <laughs> so, speaking of turkeys, you have a turkey. I have a turkey. So, what is your turkey's name? Um. So, the turkey's name was Jeffrey, and now it is Miss Jeffrey, because we found <laughs> out that it's a girl. <laughs> Jeffrey's missing some very important Jeffrey parts, huh? Exactly. Okay. All right. How old is your turkey? Do you know for sure, or you have an idea? We got her this spring. We were at the feed store, and I heard all the little chicks cheeping, and I was not going over there on purpose. Uh-huh. And my husband helpfully came up to me and said, they've got chicks over there. So we go yeah. and look, and they have turkeys, and he starts asking me how hard it would be to add one to our flock. So it's not my fault this time. <laughs> so it's obviously not very hard to add one to the flock. No, it's not. But I would imagine that your neighbors are thankful that they don't have Jeffrey gobbling all the time at horns being honked or door yeah. slamming or dogs barking. They didn't really care when I had a rooster for a short period of time. Okay. They're, they are the ones that got me into the poultry habit. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, no, they're, they're country folk at heart, too. And then we don't really have a whole lot of other neighbors that are really close. Yeah. So I don't think they would care either way. But I was all set to take care of Miss Jeffrey last week, and my husband wants to wait until she's a little bit bigger. So she's she was nineteen and a half pounds last week. Holy cow! Yeah. Yeah. 
Miss Jeffrey's pretty large. Yep. Yep. To be what? Four months old. Four. Yeah, we're in August. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She's pretty big, and she still lets me pick her up. She's she's actually a pretty cool bird, but her purpose is for me. Awesome. And yep. So it's been it's been pretty funny. I've recorded her journey on Facebook. I take a selfie with her every week. Uh-huh. And I call it Turkey Thursday. And there are a number of people that are begging for a stay of execution. <sighs> yeah. So then, if you don't mind, keep us updated on Miss Jeffrey's progress on the I Am Turkey Hunting page. I don't mind at all. Because I want to learn what Miss Jeffrey's fate is, but... I have a feeling, even though people are asking for a stay of execution, that Miss Jeffrey's going to be. Uh, she probably won't even make it to Thanksgiving no. dinner. I think you'll yeah. you'll eat Miss Jeffrey before then. Yeah. <laughs> She's still got to sit in the fryer basket. Oh yeah, well there can always be a Miss Jeffrey two next spring. Well, we've got. I picked up a couple new poults. Okay. About a month ago. There you go. So yep. you have a Miss Jeffrey 2 and a Miss Jeffrey 3. Something. Not named yet. Unnamed. So have you been paying pretty close attention to Miss Jeffrey's vocalizations and her calls? More recently I have. Okay. And she will, if you kind of chirp at her, she'll chirp back. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing around with different patterns, I guess. And, you know, her her neck gets red and blue and she gets all excited and starts purring and clucking. It's pretty cute. Yeah. So she can probably teach you a lot about calling. Mm -hmm. So something to think about maybe for a couple of extra weeks. You might give her a couple couple of weeks stay. No, no, no. Just, you know, just delay it. Maybe don't pardon her sentence. Just a stay of execution. Yeah, just a stay. (laughs) A couple of weeks and listen to those purrs and the clucks. And you can go on YouTube and look up some turkey calling Mm -hmm. examples and play some of those calls on your computer or from your phone and see how she reacts to some of those calls. Will do. So that'd be be pretty interesting to do. One of them that you want to see how she responds to is a lost yelp. Okay. And then a kiki, kiki run as well. I'd be interested to see how ingrained those calls are in a domestic turkey. Yeah. Because... Yeah, you would garner a lot of response from a wild turkey with those calls, and I'd just be interested to know if a domestic turkey would, if it would garner the same response. So that'd be pretty neat. Maybe I'm I'm giving you a lot of projects here. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna regret having come on this call by the time we hang up. <laughs> this is the guinea pig hunter show. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. Yeah. So. Maybe we could trick you into recording some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have on. to get second phone. A second phone, yeah. But or bring 
the Uh-huh. That'd be cool. I'd be very curious to yeah. how she responds to those calls. But, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, hopefully, not only will Miss Jeffrey give you a nice meal in the next few weeks, but I hope that you have a wild turkey mm-hmm. for a nice meal as well. And if you have any questions about anything else, if something comes up that while you're out hunting that you want to maybe pick someone's brain on or get someone's opinion on, the Facebook fan page is a good way to reach out. Well, if you post something there and you don't get a response, I will find you an answer. Okay. If I don't know, I will call someone and get you an answer. So we will help you try to have some success and and kill a bird this fall. And if not, then spring will be here before you know it. That's right. I also did a little homework myself. And this morning I sent an email to the National Turkey or Wild Turkey Federation Uh for the local chapter. And I got a couple email addresses for local resources. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a great way to start, and those people can really help you to get a head start on your scouting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would just tell them up front, I'm a new turkey hunter, and, you know, I want to go out into the woods and at least have an idea of where turkeys normally are this time of year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not just running around in the woods blind and <laughs> wearing boot leather off my boots and not having any success. Right. And I'll tell you, too, though, to really kind of pay attention to what those people that you talk to are saying or not saying. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I do like to ask them is if they're hunters. Yeah. And a lot of the biologists are not hunters Mm -hmm. and don't want someone hunting their birds. Mm -hmm. But most biologists understand the balance. I'm pretty sure the two people I've hooked up with are both hunters. Okay. Then you may also want to see if you can ask them to mentor you Mm -hmm. on a hunt. Mm -hmm. The worst thing they can do is say no. They will not kill you and eat you like you're going to do to Miss Jeffrey. Right. No, I've uh, asked for coffee meetups first. There you go. Perfect. Very good. Use those resources. And yes, the National Wild Turkey Federation is a great one. So use those to maybe get you pointed in the right direction. And if I can help you or if you feel like anyone in the I Am Turkey Hunting family can help you with something, then let me know and we will do our best to either help you directly or find that person who can provide the answer. Thanks, Andy. You're very welcome. Well, Jenna, thank you for taking time to share your story, and I wish you a lot of luck this coming season. And again, if I can help you with anything, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Will do. Thank you, Andy, and thanks for putting the podcast together. It helps oh, us glad newbies. To do it. Glad to do it. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. I learn just as much in doing this as you newbies are learning by Mm -hmm. listening to them. So it's a lot of fun for me. 
Well, fantastic. I hope that you have a wonderful night, and I look forward to hearing back from you sometime soon. Great. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Jenna. Goodbye. Jenna, thanks so much for doing an interview with me. I wish you a lot of luck this coming fall turkey season, and I hope you're able to put a fresh wild turkey on the Thanksgiving table this year. And if you ever need any help with anything or have any questions, please reach out to our Turkey Hunter podcast family and the I Am Turkey Hunting family on the I Am Turkey Hunting Facebook page. I am sure that the people on the page would be more than happy to help answer any questions that you may have or to offer you a little guidance here and there and that goes for all of you newbie turkey hunters out there as well so that's all that i have for you guys today but before we stick a fork in this week's show will you please do me one favor will you please go to itunes stitcher radio and player fm and leave a five-star rating and a review for the show if you haven't already done so and if you're enjoying the show. Those ratings and reviews really help our rankings on those podcast players, and they help new listeners and new hunters like Jenna find the show as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and once again, go Team USA. See you guys next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.